Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. And the power and the glory Bless you as you rise and go in peace.
Like the dew in the morning Gently rest upon my heart Like the dew in the morning Gently rest upon my heart Help me sing like the dew sing Morning. Like the dew in the morning, like the dew in the morning, Like the dew sing, we want you to rest. Like the dew in the morning, Lord, like the dew sing. Gently rest. Come on. We sing rest. Sing rest. God rest. Sing rest. Sing rain. Sing rain, Lord. Sing rain, yeah. Sing rain. Say move. Analyze, Lord. On our hearts. Sing move. And we say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes, yes to your will, to your way, every day, say yes, my mind says, my heart says, my will says, my way says, say yes, say yes, God wants your yes. God wants your yes. Say yes. Say yes. yes. Say yes. 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 Like the two say. Gently rest. Hallelujah. We want you to rest on us. Like the dew in the morning. Yeah. Gently rest. Let's lift it up corporately. Like the dew in the morning, like the dew. Gently rest. Oh, last time, like the dew in the morning, like the dew in the morning. Gently rest. Gently rest upon my heart. Hallelujah. Oh, 
Sing rest. Rest, Jesus. Rest. Rest, Jesus. We want you to rest. rest like the dew, like the dew. And sing rest, Lord. Rest, Jesus. On our hearts. On our hearts, Lord. Sing rest. Sing rest. Sing rest. Sing rest. Sing rest. Sing rain. Sing rain. Sing rain. Sing rain. Sing move. Sing move. In this church, in this church, our hearts say yes. Say yes, Lord. We give you a yes, Lord. Say yeah, yes, like the like the dew in the morning. Gently rest upon my heart, like the dew in the morning, Lord. Please, Jesus, rest, gently rest upon my heart. Anybody need God to rain on you? Anybody need God to rest on you? Anybody need God to move through you? Hallelujah. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree And my answer Lord, yes I'll say yes I'll say yes Lord, yes Will and to your way I'll say yes I will trust Oh, when your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people. And our answer is yes. Yes to your will. Yes to your word, yes to your way, yes to your spirit, we desire to obey. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For God, you are our strength and you are our redeemer. Speak in this place today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, give God praise for this choir and for this music ministry today. Gentlemen, you see to my left is 
Brother Garrett Glasby, who's a member of our music staff here. We bring a little flavor to the eight o'clock, from eight o'clock to 10.45. He's also going to be leading Trinity Voices of Praise. Amen. God bless, God bless you. To Mrs. Frencher and to presiding elder Ellers and Mrs. Ellers, to preachers both in pulpit and pew, to Reverend Mrs. Mitchell and Dr. Laverne Carter, all who are gathered in this place on today. It's good to be here. Any day horizontal is still, I'm sorry, vertical is still a good day, not horizontal. No. Horizontal's good too. If you if you die right, it's all right, isn't that right? But I'm glad I'm still vertical. How about you? Join me again as we study together during this Lenten season. I want to take us through the seven churches that are found in Asia Minor, found in the revelation given to John. And I want to begin on this Sunday morning sharing. And you're going to hear some voices that will speak to some of these churches that are gathered here in the book of the Revelation. I want to begin and share with you Revelation chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 and we're going to travel through the seven churches that are found in the book of the Revelation. Revelation 2 verses 1 through 7. These words are recorded from the New Living Translation of the Greek New Testament, here's what it says. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message of the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the Nica that hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To understand who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. I have this complaint against you. Yeah. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Wow. I want to talk and I want to tag this text and use this thought today. When being good is bad for you. When being good is bad for you. Stay with me. By God's grace, it is our hope and prayer that these missives and messages will give us guidelines, procedures, albeit a course of action for our collective and individual lives. The call of God for this moment is that we become 
a healthier church, impacting fragmented, fractured humanity with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I, whether you know it or not, are world changers. So important is this truth that the Patmos prisoner preacher John by name begins this revelatory redemptive book on the hinge that holds our soteriological destiny intact with Jesus. So much attention is given to the imagery and symbolism that we tend to forget about who the book is about. So much emphasis is placed on what and where and when that we forget about who is at the heart of the revelation and to whom the word is given. The heart, friends, of this final pamphlet in the New Testament and the Holy Writ is Jesus. And so then I may not be able to decipher all the similes, but I do know the Savior. I may not be able to interpret the metaphors, but I do know who the master is. I may not be able to construe the context, but I do know the Christ in the context and the Christ of the context. I may not be able to rightly divide the dragons, the plagues, the great harlot, the Armageddon. I may not know the, the mystery behind 666, but I can tell you about the one whose feet is like burnished brass, whose eyes is like flame of fire, and whose hair is nappy as lamb's wool. The center of this book is Jesus. And when all is said and done, what you and I need to know is that at the heart of our faith is a person. The source of my joy is not knowing the facts, but it is in walking and moving in faith so that when the facts don't line up, I still have faith. When the odds are against us, when we look at the facts, faith says look up, and if you can look up, you can get up. And if you can get up, you can grow up. And if you can grow up, you can show up. And if you can show up, you can go up. And you don't have to blow up or be tore up from the floor up no matter where you are if you focus on the Savior. That's why the Hebrew writer declares in Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the Y'all got, I got some Bible readers in here of our faith, which means if he's the author and the finisher, he can handle everything in between the, the beginning and the end. But then, beloved, notice with me to whom the book is written. It is addressed to the church symbolized by seven distinct geographically diverse faith communities. It is addressed to people living in difficult and diffident times. It speaks to a people who must bear up under the weight of a corrupt and contemptuous culture. No different than what we are called to do in 2020. And I have, friends, both a confession and a contention to make this morning. Here's my confession. In the 33 or 31 years I've been a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I never did like reading, studying, or preaching from the book of Revelation. Because I always heard in my native state of Florida, preachers 
who would preach the book of Revelation to literally scare the hell out of people and make them tremble with fear until they fell out from their wicked ways and came to God and lived. I really didn't care about studying the book of Revelation, reading it, or even preaching it. I took a class in undergraduate school and it led me to a contention that the final chapter of our lives doesn't end in the book of Revelation. Y'all missed it. That Revelation doesn't tell me the end and it does not deal with just simply finality. It really does let me know that the church is not in the final hour, it's in its finest hour. Did you hear me? That the church of the Lord Jesus Christ of which we're all a part is not in its final hour, it's in its finest hour. So many people are looking for the finality of things that we can't see the finery of things. So many people are caught up in the doom that we can't see the deliverance. So many people are caught up in gloom that they can't see the glory. We're so caught up in the mysteries that we can't see the majesty and the miracles. We're so enamored by tragedy that we can't see that the book of Revelation is a book about victory and triumph. This is not, I repeat it, this is not our worst hour. This is indeed our best hour. Can I say that again? I want to help somebody. This is not our worst hour. This is indeed our finest hour. And like you, I lament over transitions. I lament over things that are not what they used to be. I lament when I see the shifting in the culture and the shifting even in the church culture. But even in the shifting, I'm not going to let the shifting shift my vision because I still believe that we're not at the end of the road. We're just in a bend in the road. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And what these seven churches teach us this morning is that if anybody should be excited, it ought to be the church. The church ought not join the culture in their dismal dirge of despair. We ought be the primary purveyors of hope for people mooring in the mire of misery. And so in this letter to the church at Ephesus, the Patmos prisoner preacher gives us the first principle for our journey these next few weeks. And he anchors it in the metropolis of Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. The city, though not the capital of the province of Asia, is the most well-known city in the province. Ephesus, with its beautiful colossal towers. Ephesus, with one tower and temple dedicated to Artemis. Ephesus, Artemis temple was the, one of the seven wonders of the world. Ephesus had an amphitheater that could seat 45,000 people. Ephesus was a grand and luxurious place. It was well known for its Greek and Roman mystery cult religions. Ephesus 
had all the Ephesus charms that were sold that would bring good luck. Ephesus was the place if you were trying to play the lottery, you'd, you'd have a better chance if you would go to Ephesus because Ephesus had everything you needed to get the luck you wanted for the fortune you were looking for. Now, don't nobody travel to Ephesus. You can use that money and give it to the building fund of the capital campaign here at Trinity Church. Somebody say amen. But Ephesus was the metropolis where Paul visited. Ephesus was where Timothy had his ministry. Priscilla, Aquila, and Apollos. And according to the early tradition of the church, even the apostle John himself lived in Ephesus. Ephesus was the citadel of power and prestige. And John writes to the angel of the church in Ephesus. You will note that those who are in certain traditions, whenever they announce or refer to the pastor, they call the pastor the angel of the church. Don't get, don't get too caught up in that because that, that, just, that just simply means that person happens to be the messenger for that place. The spiritual messenger. Don't, don't get caught up in seeing angels in the pulpit because uh, the same book talks about angels being cast out with the devil. So the devil has his angels too. Somebody say amen. And some of them are in pulpits too. Somebody say amen. The angel is one who brings the message from the sovereign. And Jesus sends the message as one who walked among the people. In other words, he didn't text this message as one that was sitting on some remote quadrant of the universe. The text wants us to know that Jesus was walking among the people. And I'm wondering, if you really were conscious of Jesus walking in Trinity, how would you really act? I know how we act when company shows up. I know how we act when celebrities show up. I've seen how we act when certain personalities show up. But what about the one who is here every Sunday? Who shows up every Sunday and walks from pew to pew and from heart to heart and from bosom to bosom. If you really were conscious of who Jesus was and the fact that Jesus walks in this house every time we gather. Because he made a promise to his disciples where there are two or three gathered together in my name touching. Whether you got coronavirus or not, if you touch and agree, I'll be in the midst of you. So away with this notion that many people utter when they say something like this. I don't know what they're doing at that church. Because whenever Jesus speaks, he's speaking to the church. And whenever you are connected to the house, he's speaking to the church. Because the church is not they it's not them, it's not him, it's not her, it's not you, it's not y'all, it's not them, it's we, us, and our. And so Jesus speaks to the saints and the saints with sinners' problems. So when you look at this text, this text is powerful because Ephesus was the first church. It was known, Reggie, for its program of Nonviolent resistance. When you read this text, you'll notice that this church had been steadfast in holding up the standards of righteousness and purity. 
They withstood and resisted the tyranny of the empire. And they were intolerant of those who did not conform to the paradigm of Christ. These, these were some serious saints. In other words, this church did not take tea for the fever. And this church did not play. If you showed up to the Ephesus church, you better have your stuff together, your business fixed, your house in order, your ducks in a row, your eyes dotted and your T's crossed. This was the kind of church that would call you out when you were not in step with the standards or in line with the laws established. They, they believed that if you were going to be a member of this church, you couldn't be passive. You had to be one that believed in that jack-legged preacher from a ghetto called Nazareth. You had to believe that Jesus Christos was curious. You had to believe that the Negro from Nazareth was the son of the living God. And when you did, be prepared for some pressure. His church was a strong church. Matter of fact, they tested everybody in church. To make sure that they were on the right level. This was somebody's church, y'all. And I look at some of you this morning saying, I don't know if I want to be a member of that kind of church. Let me get in front of this text. I want to share something with you. I want to get in front of it because this kind of church was the standard for righteousness. It was known for freedom fighters. It was known for nonviolent resistance. They resisted the empire. They would not give in. They would not capitulate. They provoked, they provided voter registration for folk. They wanted to make sure everybody understood where their position was. And you know what, y'all? We need churches like that, don't we? We don't need churches that will get cozy with the political order and never challenge the injustices that wreak havoc on the least of these. Because we're seeing an influx of profligate, pedantic peddlers of pompous prosperity and politicism dressed in pious rags and garbs of influence. And they endorse ungodly activity and call it divine. We see profiteering bigots posing as moral and spiritual leaders drinking the Kool-Aid of the culture and twerking before the gods of this present age. And the truth is, brothers and sisters, we need faith communities that will resist and endure the onslaught of resisting. I said that too fast. I'm going to say it again. We need churches and Christians that ain't scared to stand up against the established order and declare and decry we will not take it. We will not have it. We will not subject ourselves to anything that will negate and nullify the people who are made in the Imago Day the image of God. Are you a member of such a church like that? If you are, shout amen. I want to declare you got a pastor who's not scared to stand up against those powers that continue to insist that everything is the fault of the lower and the middle class. I declare and decree that until God comes, we've got to stand firm, stand tall, stand fixed, stand courageous, and not be scared. And can I help somebody? You can't be scared of folk out there, and you can't be scared of folk in here because everybody that cries Lord, Lord is not on their way to the kingdom of heaven and we need people who will stand firm and stand tall and 
declare I'll go if I have to go by myself. So the Ephesian church was a great church. They stood up, Sister Ziegler. They stood up tall. Hear what the Lord says about this church. As good as they thought they were, they took their goodness to the extreme. Because the Lord saw that they were trying to make everybody act like them. And they became the exchequer for the saved and sanctified. They became the religious right of that day. Be careful how far you go in trying to make folk good because that ain't your job to make folk good. Our job is to be better so that together we're better to do our best for the kingdom. But watch it. Jesus said with all that goodness, that goodness is bad for you. Because you're so busy being good that you forgot to be with people and you're so busy looking down on people that you think don't measure up to your level. Preach, Mitchell. I think I will. Right long in here. This Ephesus church was good, but Jesus had a warning for them. Sometimes being good can be bad for you, especially when it comes to trying to make folk clones like you. Preach Mitchell. And watch it, y'all. When you resort to that kind of living, when you resort to that kind of behavior, you will miss what the Savior says is missing in this congregation. In Ephesus, the Bible says they had walked away from their first love. Whenever you abandon love for form and fashion, you establish a goodness based on style and not substance. They were bent on looking at what was right and proper for their way of witnessing. And if you were not in step with them, you were a problem and had to be dealt with. Be careful. All of us know of communities of faith that say, if you don't do it the way we say do it, you can't be a part of us. If you don't say it the way we say it, you can't be a part of us. We talk about this in class. There's some folk who believe that if you don't receive Jesus in this manner and be baptized in this way, you will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven and you're following the wrong path. Can I tell you something? I don't care how many tongues you speak in. I don't care how many Bibles you carry under your arm. I don't care how much oil you carry in your pocket. You can have enough oil to fry chicken for everybody in this congregation. But if there is not the oil of love flowing in your heart, all you are is a religious fanatic trying to make folk as crazy as you are. Listen, beloved, We don't need religious fans or religious fanatics. We need people who understand that the God who blesses me can bless you, 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 and everybody else. And you don't have to praise him the way I praise him. You don't have to lift your hands the way I lift my hands. You don't have to shout as loud as I shout or talk as loud as I talk or do it the way I say do it. Because when it's all said and done, every tub must stand on its own bottom and every Everybody must give an account to the God who has saved them and redeemed their lives. The Ephesus problem is a real problem. 
Because so many people are trying to be good that they miss the place called better. Y'all missed it. Can I say it again? So many folk are trying to be good. Trying to look good. Trying to talk good. Trying to preach good. Trying to impress people that they are good. That they miss it. That the folk you're trying to impress are going through as much stuff as you're going through. And we're not called to impress each other. We're called to impact each other so that together we become better. The Ephesus problem happens gradually but quietly. Listen, let me sketch it this way. You remember when you first met God? You remember when you first met him? Nobody could keep you out of church. When you came out of what you were in and came to God, you wanted everybody to know that you were on the Lord's side. You got with the church because you wanted to grow in your life and your love for God. and You wanted to be in everything that would connect your spiritual life to the life of God. You came to Bible study. Whatever the church had that would speak to your spirit, you were a part of it. Okay, that wasn't your testimony. Okay, that was mine. When I met God, when God, when God came into my life, you couldn't beat me going to Bible study. I went to Bible study on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday school because I was excited about knowing more about Jesus. Until I got involved in church. Join the ushers. Join the choir. Join the boys. Join the clubs. Join everything that would make me look like I was a busy Christian. Oh, that's not your testimony, is it? But that, that is somebody's testimony. Put, put my name on this club. Put my name on this boy. I want to be the president of that. I want to be on that. I want to be on that. And before long, your desire for God was replaced for your desire to be appreciated and applauded. Preach, Mitchell. I'm going to preach this thing until I feel good. We stopped trying to live for justice and we wanted to be about just us. We started committing ourselves to things that pulled us away from our first love. And as a result, we became great church members and sorry Christians. Come on. I, I know some folk, yeah, in the pulpit and the pew, who if they don't get on the pulpit, they won't show up in church. If they're not, if their name is not called, they won't show up show up. If certain things don't flow their way, they won't come because they are professional church attendees and they have ceased to be Christians. Can I bless somebody's Easter basket? I'm not letting this robe and backward collar and this silver cross get in my way. If God needs something from me, I'm not letting my position stand in the way. I can't let my title stand in the way when God needs something from me forget about who I am forget about where I stand because there was once a time in my life I didn't have two pennies to rub together that was a time in my life where I had to walk everywhere I went and if it had not been for God making a way for me opening doors for me come on with your booze yourself you know you hadn't dressed the way you dressed all your life you ain't live where you living now if God had not looked
look beyond your faults and saw your needs, you'd still be stuck like Chuck, tore up from the flow up, beat down from the head down. But God's grace was so amazing that he looked beyond your faults and seen your every need. And how dare you get so ditty on God just because you got a position to hell with your position. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, Do I have anybody in here who can testify? I'm not trying to be cozy with my Christianity. He's been too good to me. I almost lost my mind, but he kept my heart. He kept my mind. He kept my soul. He kept my feet from stumbling. He kept my feet from slipping, and I'm going to bless him every chance I get. Don't ever let stuff get you so high and haughty that you think it's about you. Somebody ought to help me preach. Don't you get so arrogant that you forget the bridge who brought you across. Don't you get so sanctimonious in your spirituality that you can look down your nose at people as if you've been saved all right all your life. Honey, hush. If last night, if daylight would have came last night, some of us in here would be messed up. He kept you so that you didn't have to be good, but you could be better. And for some, the first love has been replaced by a starchy, high cholesterol diet of activity and church work that can never nourish your soul. Yeah, I said it. Okay, how much discipline you know. If you ain't disciplined, all you know is a book and a page and a paragraph. When you can begin to let the word dwell in you. Some things don't bother you the way they used to bother you. Do I have a witness in here? When you let the word dwell in you, folk turning their nose up at you don't bother you the way it used to bother you. There's some things when you grow in this book that will help you get over some stuff that you've been mad about for years. But when you look at what the Lord is doing in your life, you can't help but say, thank God I'm not what I used to be. And so, brothers and sisters, this good letter, I'm finished, is a letter for those who, like me, are prone to wander. This work will get to places in you to make you think it's your work. I want to talk to somebody in here like me who think that all of this has got to be on your shoulder. And that's why you sick. That's why you stressed out. That's why you can't sleep at night. Because you think it's yours. But I came to tell somebody this morning, this is not Darren Mitchell's church. This is God's church. And whoever stands in this pulpit, if God has anointed them, it doesn't matter if it's me or anybody else. If God has anointed them and the word is working, then we are obligated to follow. Perhaps this is what God is saying to us during this Lenten season. You too good. You too good. 
Maybe, maybe what he said to the people of Israel in Isaiah chapter 1 is the same thing he's saying to you and I. I want to read it and I'm finished. I really am. And I like it the way it says it in the Message Bible. It says, quit your worship charades. I can't stand your trivial religious games. Monthly conferences. Weekly Sabbaths. Special meetings. Meetings, meetings, meetings. Eugene Peterson said, that's not me. I can't stand one more. Meeting for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, 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 while you go right on sinning. When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. No matter how loud or long you pray, I'll not be listening. And do you know why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces. Your hands are bloody. Go home and wash up. Clean up your act. Sweep your lives clean of evil doings. So I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong. Learn to do good. Work for justice. Help the down and out. Stand up for the homeless. Go to bat for the defenseless. Perhaps the Lord is inviting us to become human again. Not performing, not pleasing, not being perfectionist, not being purist, but being human and engaging with people at a level that reconnects us to what passion looks like. It's easy to put programs together. It's easy to establish initiatives which show our prowess and expertise. But if programs, projects, initiatives, and campaigns are what drives us, then where does love come in? Wow. What happened to the passion My God. that pushed us to know Jesus? My God. It's very possible that we too have become like the culture called America. We've come to a place where we hear people say they love America, but they can't stand Americans. Wow. 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 Could it be? That we've come to a place in the church where we say we love Christ, but we can't stand Christians. I do know this. I do know this. There are people who say I love Jesus, but I can't stand his people. Someone said to me, Dr. Mitchell, and they were of another religion. He said, the problem with Christians I know and the problem with the church is that we spend so much time making people feel guilty. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir. We spend so much time making people feel bad about who they are. Because we've taught people, we've taught people that God will love you if you're good. And listen, God does not love you because you're good. God loves you because God is good. We like people when they're good. Y'all don't want to help me. We like people when they do what we like. But I'm glad today as I close, I'm finished. I feel all right now. It's all right now. I'm through with it. 
But I'm glad I serve a God who did not check in with you when he woke me up this morning. He didn't ask your permission when he blessed my life. He didn't ask your okay when he saved my soul. And because we are not here to impress each other, somebody needs to make up in their mind, I'll let nothing separate me from the love of God and I will bless the Lord. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I, I know I'm old school, but, 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 I, but I, I hear that old choir at Hood Temple Amy Zion Church. 2608 South 26th Street, Tampa, Florida. Reverend R. Neal was my pastor. And I hear that choir singing, take me back. Take me back. Any old school folk in here? To the place where I... I know some Andre Crouch folk in here. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. Some of us need to ask God to do that for you today. We get so caught up in this stuff that we think that this is all there is. And can I tell you something? This is not all there is. And if you make it that way, you'll be miserable the rest of your life. Went to a meeting yesterday. Saw folk cut the fool. Said to myself, Lord, we ought to be doing something other than this. And the Lord said, don't be so judgmental. Because the church the same way get so busy doing small stuff get so busy in small things that we forget to see the bigger picture everybody's standing I'm finished I'm finished I'm finished for those who need it mm -hmm. that's all I got Garrett I want you to play for me take me back take me back dear Lord to the place where I first received you. And your head's are bowed, your eyes are closed. You remember when you first fell in love? Linda and I first got married. I could be in North Carolina and drive all the way back to Brooklyn, New York with my crazy self. She didn't tell me to do it. I did it because I was in love. Now I can barely drive from here to home without going to sleep. But here's what I want to say to somebody. There's some things you did because you were in love or so you thought. And you did it because you, nobody told you to do it. Nobody made you do it. Nobody threatened you to do it. You did it because you wanted to do it and you felt that you were in love. Listen, beloved. I, I want to say to somebody today, the reason I don't force things on church folk, I don't force things on people, is because I really believe that when you fall in love with Jesus, you'll do what you're supposed to do without somebody telling you to do it. You'll do it because you love Jesus. You won't need me to turn around and tell your neighbor nothing. You don't need to sit around and, and high five. No, when you love Jesus, there are just some things you don't mind doing, like smiling and being nice because you love him. And as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed.
that's what I want for this Lenten season to be. An opportunity for us to get back to what really matters. And to get back to what kept the church the church. When we didn't have access to everything we have access to now. That was our love for God. And our love for each other. God, every person in here can stand to do better. Beginning with me. Everybody in here can stand to be better. We're not trying to be good or do good to impress anybody, God. As a matter of fact, we're tired of being good, tired of doing good. God, we want to be better and we want to be godly. And we can't do it trying to be what everybody else thinks or wants. Help us, oh God, to see your vision for our lives today. And speak, oh God, in this place to every heart who needs to make a decision today to live for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, as our preachers and deaconess get in motion, get in line and get in place, if you're here today and you're not saved, or if you're here today and you need a church home, if you're here in the city of Greensboro and you need a connection to a community, I want to invite you to come. Catch the nearest aisle. Come on. Take me back. Take me back. Take me back. To the place where I take me back. If you're here, will you come? Take me back. Back to where I come on. If you're here, catch the nearest aisle. Meet me right here. We can handle it today. Come on. Oh, take me back. Take me back, take me back to the place where I, oh, take me back, I want to go back, take me back till on where, come on, will you come today, if you're here need a church home, need to be saved, college student, need a church away from home, take me back, we'll accept you on watch care if you're here, take me back, take me back to the place where I, oh, take me back, I see you coming, take me back, Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, where I first received. Come on, give God praise. Come on. Oh, oh, take me back. Take me back to the place where I. Come on, come on, come on. I'm still waiting. God's still waiting. Take me back. Take me back. 
Somebody else want to come. Somebody else want to come. Oh, take me back. Take me back. To the place. I want to start with the lady first. Amen. That's right. This is Nicole Collins. She's coming to affiliate with us from Knoxville, Tennessee. She's a member of Wallace Chapel, AME Zion Church, the Tennessee Conference. Would you point to her and say, Nicole Collins, welcome home. Nicole Collins, welcome home. Come on, praise God for her. This handsome gentleman is the Reverend Reginald C. Weaver, who come from, Mo from Mobile, Alabama, as Bishop Smith would say. And he comes to unite with the church. And we're glad to have him. Say, Reverend Weaver, welcome home. Reverend Weaver, welcome home. Reverend Weaver, welcome home. This handsome gentleman is the Reverend Oscar Rush, retired minister from the Central North Carolina Conference. And because he unites with us, he becomes a retired minister in the West Central North Carolina Conference and will be a part of our family. Point to him and say, Reverend Rush, welcome home. Reverend Rush. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.